Okay, well, thanks for joining me today, Yuri, on the Global Skiing Podcast. Um, I must say I noticed some posts from you on the Facebook forum, Elite Skiing, probably a few years back, just noting that uh, the, the kind of comments you made uh, intrigued me and made me think this guy knows something about skiing and more than the average person knows about skiing and lo and behold a little bit more research I find out that you were actually around I guess if tell me if this is correct in the the early developmental stages of shaped skis is that right uh, yeah actually yeah. so the story is a bit more complicated but okay let me put it this way uh, I was uh, uh, original author of mathematics to prove that shape skis are okay. <laughs> really? So it was almost yeah. it was so you were it was kind of your hypothesis to prove uh, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I have explained that uh, also in this uh, uh, web page uh, set my size setting up. Uh, so it was a um, long time ago. When I started uh, in ski business as professional, before that I was just skiing as a racer or afterwards as a ski patrol and that kind of stuff. But uh, in uh, 80s, late 80s, uh, I got a job in Elan. Uh, I always wanted to work on sailplanes or on aeroplanes because ah. uh, flying is my main hobby. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I couldn't get a job there in this department of Elan, so I got a job in ski department. So it was one step closer to my goal. Yes, yes. So, uh, so I, I just thought I'd start out with that introduction because I wanted to hook people into why they, why I think they should probably listen to what you've got to say today. But if you rewind back and maybe set the scene with a little bit about your i guess your upbringing or your your skiing background you said you used to ski race so maybe if you want to just tell us a little bit about that so which possibly i guess fueled a little bit of interest and i guess understanding of um of how skiing works before you kind of i guess applied the physics and engineering side Okay, I was skiing as a kid uh, till I was 15. Uh, nothing special in racing uh, because uh, I was uh, in competition with guys like Boris Strel, who was uh, my uh, classmate and uh, he was actually the first uh, winner of uh, World Championship medal for Slovenia or Yugoslavia at that time. Uh, so I was far behind that class, but <laughs> you had some competition. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, for example, Boyan Krijai was also, um, let's say, competing at the same time uh, when we were kids. We were together, uh, so I knew that there are guys who are ski uh, who can ski much better than I did. Yeah. But, uh, of course, racing is one thing, and the other thing is uh, also understanding what is going on. Yes. Um, so, and I didn't pay attention at that time about skiing. Uh, as all kids, 
I just took it for granted uh, what the coach said that was true and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and later on, studies, physics, um, I was, let's say, always involved in science or uh, studying physics. Not very good at it. I must admit I had problems with uh, uh, mathematics. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But I finished my studies, okay, and then I went into business and after a few years I ended up in Elan as uh, uh, head of uh, laboratory. So that means I was in charge for measuring all skis, all the equipment uh, they were producing in Elan. Mm -hmm. And back, and then, can I ask, because I guess yes. I came to skiing a bit probably later. Definitely later than you. So back then, was Elan possibly, was it one of the major ski manufacturing? I mean, I don't know if it still is one of the major ones. Um, can you fill us in on a little bit about where Elan was in terms of, I guess, its competitiveness or, or like de research development side of things in the whole ski industry? In late 80s, uh, Elan had Stenmark. So... Huh? Right. We had everything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, we were, let's say, quite high in this, uh, uh, in this industry. Uh, on one side, on the other side, uh, of course, business is something else. It's not uh, all about racing. Yes. Uh, so Elan, as a company, was not very successful as a company, as organization. Uh, and then I started my other business also later on in my career. So um, at that time, um, let's say we were working together with Andrei Robic. Andrei Robic was, uh, he's now in, uh, I believe he's 85. Now I still have contact with him. He was uh, author of all skis uh, for Steinmark. Wow. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, and his, uh, uh, let's say, uh, his, he supported uh, our, us youngsters uh, in uh, developing new ideas. Uh, he was, he's still very open-minded. Uh, his, uh, and he had a certain reputation uh, because of his achievements. So we had quite a support. Okay. At times so we could uh, be involved in new ideas and crazy things. <laughs> so how did how did this start? Like, was it did was it someone like Stenmark? Was it was it you who suggested you thought skis could be made differently? I mean, uh, is it worth maybe starting out with how a ski actually works? What the mech like? What what order would you say would be better to talk about so we get a better understanding before the evolution so, of, I guess, carved skis coming along? The key point was when I came as a physicist in Elan, I started asking questions: What's the theory behind it? And yeah. what is going on? And so on. And Andre is a key figure in Elan at that time. Uh, he simply said, I don't have a clue. <laughs> so that's where it all started. 
Got it. I read all the literature, everything about skiing, and nothing really made sense. Huh. You know, somewhere in the path, I found it contradicts to Newton laws or some common sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I said, this is something wrong. And later on, I discovered it's a simple rule everywhere in every industry. If the army or military was involved in history in that industry, then everything is known. So the theory behind is done. I got it. If, <laughs> if was not involved, they they don't have a clue. They're okay. Just building on the experience. I got it. Uh, so and that's the situation with uh, ski industry at that time. Huh. And the question was, uh, why? Uh, how? can we make a ski which will not uh, skid? So, hmm. skidding is breaking, uh, so slowing the skier down and so on. And so we made, uh, so at that time they made different experiments, for example, skis with uh, double uh, edges. So on every side you had one steel edge and another one on top of that. Wow. So we have double grip. <laughs> wow. Of course, <laughs> this was not working. <laughs> okay. And then um, I have three kids. So at that time, my boy, my middle kid was two years old. We were on holidays. He was not sleeping. He was crying in the night. I don't know why, but I was half asleep. And then I got an idea. Uh, the problem, the idea is, what is skidding, in fact? Or another way around, what is not skidding? So, it's a little bit complicated, but if you imagine a point on the ski slope. Yeah. Not skidding is that every point on the ski edge goes through the same point on the ski slope. Yep. That's pure definition. Mm -hmm. So if you make a radius of 10 meters, so every point on the ski must lie on that radius. Mm -hmm. And that's the result is then geometry. Yes. You put some mathematics into it and you get a side cut. Yes. It's uh, so it took me about 30 minutes to make all the math work, uh -huh. uh -huh. and, and that was it. And, and then on to into the into the labs and start. No, just just uh, so persuading Andre first to support me to make a prototype, and then we just went onto the ski slope and it was working. So, you know, uh, because I, I don't know if this is a myth or, or something, but had snowboarders already put side cut into snowboards and were they carving already? Yes, they did. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was just explaining my way of thinking, thinking. at that time. Got it. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it was not, let's say, oh, look, they have side cut. Let's make it on the skis. It yeah. It's not like that. You'd come across that you had the, the, it's like, how can we make a ski 
that does not skid. This yeah. is it must yeah. go through all points of the ski must go through a point, and then you were okay. So you went it from that angle. Yeah, because as physicists, I must uh, have a let's say background in mathematics, so you calculate everything. You not just assume something that happens. Everything yeah. must be calculated. Yes. And that's a professional deformation. Yes. Yes. Got it. And so then what was the first prototype like? Was it <laughs> like what radius did you, was the first prototype? So first prototype, so actually I have a second prototype here behind my back. Now, uh, first prototype was uh, 193 centimeters long. Uh, side cut was uh, about, um, what was that, 14 meters. Hmm. Uh, side cut radius because in mathematics actually side cut is not radius it's uh, uh, top of the sinus uh, curve okay uh, that's why I, I don't like to talk about side cut radius but it is close enough <laughs> so what okay so then what do you what would you what is a more accurate way or or is it not accuracy is it just a better explanation uh, no, it's in mathematics. Okay. It's for for every single radius of skiing, and for every angulation, you have different shape of side cut. Mm -hmm. That's in theory. Yeah. In practice, uh, you cannot produce uh, skis inside those tolerances. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's uh, it's just a, let's say mathematical trick, not. Uh -huh. uh, reality in reality it's good enough to have a radius okay got it got it got it got it and so uh do you think there are any more things worth noting about um like how a ski works like as in like what are the elements that need to be present for a ski to turn whether it's um skidded or carved Either one, like are there, what, are, what are some of the, f you know, physics principles, I guess, that people need to, to understand have to be present for a ski to turn? Okay, let me go back into the history again, because after we discovered that carving or side cut works, we still didn't have a clue uh, what is the physics behind skidding turn. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, why some skis perform this way and the other ones that way? Some are, let's say, good, some are bad. Uh, where is the key uh, connection between physical properties of the ski, side cut, torsional stiffness and bending stiffness, and with performance of the ski? For example, the basic question is, some skis don't work on a hard surface. They simply don't, since they don't uh, hold. So, in uh, my professional deformation, I made measurement. I took, I built a special device to pull the ski sideways on the snow and mm -hmm. to compare results. Mm -hmm. So, you have different skis with the same angulation angle and pull it sideways and measure. What is the force? And would, would was the snow? What sort of snow surface? 
it was different snow surfaces. It doesn't matter. Okay. Actually. Okay. So you just pull and measure and compare. Because yep. feelings tell you that some skis don't hold and some skis hold. Mm -hmm. And then you measure. And when you measure, there is absolutely no difference in friction force sideways. Uh huh. And this is the key idea behind it. So okay, so let me just re let me just repeat that again. So a person can feel the difference between different skis skidding sideways, but yes. yet if you use a mechanical machine to measure that side like yes. skidding, it comes up. It doesn't matter really what you do with the ski. The same measurement is read. Is that right? If the same angle is against the snow. Yes, exactly. Aha, uh -huh. very interesting. It doesn't, so we doesn't. were comparing kids' skis, so short skis for yeah. children, uh, racing skis um, for World Cup, Cup racers and so on, and all in between. Yep. And the results were consistently the same. <laughs> that would go against what most people would think. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. And of course, <laughs> it was against what we were expecting. <laughs> <laughs> cool, keep going, I like this, it's good. Okay, so the question is, then what is the difference? Yeah. <laughs> it's got to uh, be, what, it's got to be the, the, the skier then? It's got to be the person no. riding it? Or has it just got to be no. weight on the ski? No, no, because if you go on the slope and ski with skis, different skis, you feel consistently the same difference. Uh-huh. With different skiers. They all agree that this ski is holding better, this ski is holding is not holding as good in holding and so yeah. on and so yeah. on. So yeah. you get those consistent results on the other side. So the question is uh, where is the difference? Yeah. So yes, and in physics we know uh, we differentiate two types of movements of uh, skier. That's translation and rotation. Mm -hmm. Okay, in translation, so you are going downhill or making curves, uh, you are following a certain path. This yep. depends on the external forces. Mm -hmm. And external forces are, as we defined, measured always the same. So there probably is not a big difference. But rotation is another question. So it turns out that the skis which don't hold on icy slope, they are not uh, stable enough in directional sense. So that means if you put your center of gravity just a little bit off, the ski will rotate out of the turn and you will have a feeling that it's not holding. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay, yes. So, so the ski, the ski wants to, so that's when people talk about like a the ski having a self-steering effect It kind of break, the tail breaks away and it, the ski turns on itself. Yes. Yes. And that's and dependent you, on the alignment of the center of gravity through yes. a, a particular point on the ski. Is that right? 
Yes, and mm -hmm. of course, with uh, when your center of gravity goes off a little bit, that will produce a torsional deformation mm -hmm. of the ski. So that's when the torsional stiffness comes into play. Because in uh, this measurement, when we measured, torsional stiffness did not have any influence on how the ski is holding. Mm -hmm. But when you go off just a little bit, in front or behind uh, the uh, binding area, yeah. then you can get huge differences. Huh. And we are just purely talking like say in the fore and aft going off the direction off this line uh this center point is that right yes yes, yes. not we're not talking in like the lateral frontal type plane uh, so uh or is that a next mm, thing uh, uh the key point is where your complete force is acting uh on the ski Okay. That changes over the course of a turn. Yep. It's very complicated, but uh, intuitionally, so a good good skier has this muscle memory and uh, he can adopt this position very precisely, uh, and he can ski effortlessly because he is fast enough in adopting. Uh, the correct position regarding on the phase of the turn he's currently in. Got it. So okay. he's constantly, he is so in tune every time, if maybe he doesn't line up as well, he will adjust his center of gravity to line up better so that ski holds again. So yes. Kind of, so it's constantly throughout different points of the arc, he knows how to line that up and, and, and the feeling that he gets from that. Exactly. Or she, I should and say, he or she. Or she, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Let's be correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And here, snowboarding, snowboarding comes into play. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I started snowboarding. And I learned you must go forward, um, backward, and forward, and backward. On snowboard, that is very easy to, to determine uh, if you are... Uh, uh, putting more pressure on front or back leg. Yes. It's very easy. On yes. skis, this is not that simple. No. <laughs> so, so, but s snowboarding is the same physics. Yeah. So I learned from snowboard back to skiing that this is it. Huh. And then we made some complicated devices, uh, how to simulate that into a lab and so on. But it's proves that uh, uh, so, so snowboard had influence on the ski theory development. Yeah, cool. So would you uh, say then, like, because I guess a snowboard is because the feet are wide apart, more spread along the whole entire length of the piece of equipment. Um, have you got a much larger room for error would that be correct mm, or not necessarily no no or do no, you if or does the person just sense it more easily be like what how would you describe that yes more or less you it's more easy to uh, feel 
what you have done and what is the uh, reaction the, on that. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's actually a, a human sensory type mm -hmm. of that the, is is the biggest difference. So okay. So then, could you almost assume the best skiers then have the most finely adjusted sensory awareness in their body? Uh, look, skiing is then more or less like, let's say, in gymnastics. Mm -hmm. uh, in gymnastics, uh, if you make 10,000, approximately 10,000 good repetitions of the same element, then you learn that element. Yes. So it's all about proper repetition. So yep. first to define what is the proper way, yep. and then to repeat that 10,000 times. That's yep. about it. Okay. So you, you, you do A, you get B, and you do it thousands of times. So then your body automatically knows when, when A happens, B, B will be the result. Yes. Yes. Cool. So, okay. Sorry, um, I sidetracked you there. Um, where, where are we up? So you use learnt from snowboarding <laughs> to help and then test the skis. Yes. yes. And, and then you learn that every device on snow or, for example, even the car, uh, they have um, so a device has a certain response to input. So in your car, if you turn uh, steering wheel for 10 degrees, you expect for every car to have approximately the same um, radius of a turn. Mm -hmm. It's the same for skis and for snowboards and for everything. But you don't steer with your steering wheel, but with your position of center of gravity. Mm -hmm. So the property of every ski can be described of how fast the ski will rotate when you move your center of gravity for certain amount forward or backward. Okay. Yeah. Now cool. you got it. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. We have a, a curve which at one point is zero. So at that point you can make a side movement without rotation. Mm -hmm. And then if you move 10 centimeters forward, you will rotate at certain speed or at a certain rate yep. in one or the other direction. Okay. So if you have a racing ski for 10 centimeters movement, you will rotate very slowly mm -hmm. because it is made for higher loads. Uh, so at low speed, it is very difficult to ski with racing ski. Mm -hmm. And for beginners, because you know they are slow, they don't uh, make such uh, big load on the uh, ski. Uh, you make a ski which uh, rotates much faster for the same amount of uh, center of gravity movement. Movement, okay. Yeah, right. Interesting. And so what are you doing with the ski then that makes that difference? Because I know what it oh. feels like, cause, um, but what exactly is it that you're doing to manipulate that? Uh, it's very simple. Uh, core thickness. Mm -hmm. On, only and only that. Really? Yes. Because the 
bending stiffness and torsional stiffness. Uh, so bending stiffness uh, goes up with power of four with uh, core thickness. So if you change core thickness by 10%, yeah. uh, bending stiffness will go up 40-50%. Uh, okay. So in ski production then, uh, you have a big problem because you have the skis are relatively thin. Yeah. You can imagine the core thickness in the shawl or uh, tail yeah. is about one millimeter. Yeah. So every tenth of a millimeter will produce quite a change. Yeah, right. And so does it also the core, not only the thickness, so the core material makes no difference? More or less, no. Okay. It has a small effect? Yes, it has a small effect. So if you change wood from, let's say, poplar to birch or something, it will make some effect, yes. But uh, generally speaking, when we are talking about ski production, yeah, not about ski experiments and all that stuff, in ski production, mm -hmm. your goal is to use as little input material as possible to make as much different skis as possible mm -hmm. so and this can be done for the whole range of skis this can be done with uh, four constructions generally speaking mm -hmm. so you have if you're serious about stepping up your skiing skills listen up I've been working closely with the Carve team for over four years and they've just unveiled a groundbreaking feature, Active Coaching Mode. And here's the lowdown. Launch it at the top of your run and go through a quick calibration with 10 turns and it sets a baseline just below your current skill level. From there, every turn is a challenge, adapting on the fly to your skill, terrain and conditions. No fluff, just a gamified experience pushing you to ski better every turn. It does this by using a super thin insole lined with small pressure sensors and motion detectors. It's like having a personal coach analyzing your every move. And here's the sweet part. If you hit a hot streak with excellent form and you're in for double or triple points, it's addictive, rewarding. Like I said, it's a very gamified experience and it transforms every run into a step towards better skiing. If you're intrigued, and you should be, check out Carve and dive into active coaching mode. Just Google Get Carve to find out more and as a bonus, enter code GELLY15 to take 15% off. It's amazing. I've heard from the Carve team that now nearly over a third of the users are using active coaching mode when they go out and ski with it. So why not give it a try yourself? Two core materials, two types of uh, laminates or aluminium or whatever, and uh, combination of those, and that's it. Mm-hmm and you can produce any ski you like. Mm -hmm. Of course, you cannot sell this concept to the end customer, so you must let's say, produce some marketing stuff on top <laughs> of that. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I mean, then what... So when I ski like a cap-constructed ski versus a sandwich-constructed ski, what is, 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 is a lot of it uh like the feeling difference has it got to do with um the thickness or um like what is what is it i'm feeling 
with the with those differences so you are feeling differences in bending and stiffness uh, bending stiffness and torsional stiffness mm-hmm. because the steel edge which is uh, interacting with the snow yes the steel edge does not know what kind of core or construction you have <laughs> on the top yeah so, even the let's say the width of the ski for example uh, is not important until you are uh, your outside edge is in the snow mm-hmm. because when the outside edge is in the air what's the difference yeah yeah there's no nothing yeah. acting upon it yeah yeah um, that kind of thinking you have to let's say keep in your brain all the time when somebody says you some crazy stuff yeah yeah <laughs> okay right so and then so then in a because i've just recently started skiing a lot more on like race skis that i guess would be like on them they're they're, they're considered fist style uh race skis so it's not the the high-end kind of like carve ski but it's actually built for ski racing and so in that ski and i really like the feeling far more like i felt like i was on toy skis perhaps all my life before then um what is like is 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 it also the the type of wood that i'm feeling because i know that they're like say the vocal race tiger and then the vocal fists slalom race tiger the difference is really amazing but is it the wood in it that i'm feeling the difference with is it a, a number of factors and 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 is that is that that's just changing because i know it's stiffer um yeah yeah uh okay so it's uh, almost 20 years ago since i was last time in field in production so i, I cannot <laughs> answer on that how they are making skis now, but as far as I understand, the industry change. Yeah. So, uh, if we are talking about Felker, uh, they are using a very simple procedure um, uh, for producing all skis. So, maybe they have put some more uh, uh, glass fiber into the top skis uh, than uh, into the, uh, let's say, one class lower skis. Yeah, got it. Uh, But mainly, I would guess, is just the change in thickness of the core. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now now that I think about looking at them, like putting them, yeah, it probably is even a mil to mil thicker. Um, Yeah. And then you calculate back, it's a power of four, Yep. So then that, yeah, right. So really, yeah, multiplies up, doesn't it? And so even yeah. the binding plate, then that's why a ski racing ski will have a binding, a special binding plate. Uh, so function of binding plate, binding plate is twofold. First of all, it's a razor. Mm-hmm. So you are a little bit higher than on normal. So my personal best in getting higher is 15 centimeters. <laughs> oh my God. You didn't break your and legs? It, no. No? <laughs> no, of course not. 
uh, it's an illusion that this uh, will break your legs. Uh -huh. uh, it's another sad story about that. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, uh, let's keep it okay. simple now. Yeah. So the plate itself, it's torsionally stiff and it produces or result of using a plate is also that um, the ski in the area of the plate is torsionally stiffer than without. Mm -hmm. But because the holes uh, that hold the plate down are elongated, they don't interfere with bending stiffness. Okay. So you kept the bending stiffness or the line of the ski but increased a little bit torsional stiffness. stiffness okay right and then the and then the lift just gives you more leverage to, yeah. to tip it yeah uh, the uh, the lift is just um, let's say side effect of the lift is that your ski boot uh, gets uh, on the slope uh, later on at larger uh, angulation angle Mm -hmm. so that's the only function of the razor. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what happened when you had 15 centimeters? What was it like? Oh, it was great. <laughs> I was carving like crazy. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> was it just like almost like those uh, those snowboard like body carving kind of people? Did you feel almost like that? Oh, it was... Uh... It was very aggressive. I used uh, for um, uh, slalom ski, racing slalom ski for uh, uh, for the base, and then I put on uh, a profile uh, aluminium profile, fifteen centimeters high, and on top of that also ski binding, and it was really high. <laughs> but the feeling, the feeling was so. It was a little bit difficult to ski it, but on carving it was, you know. You are just like on a Formula One car, so you have additional edge grip. Yeah, okay. So it just felt like it did not want to slide at all. No, it did not. Yeah. It just carved down the slope as fast as you want. Huh. It was the same effect as with short skis, for example. Yeah. Uh, uh, we used to pro uh, produce also some kind of snow blades. And uh, that side cut was also about seven meters or maybe less. Mm -hmm. And as long as you stayed on the edge, you could go, I don't know, 60, maybe 70 kilometers per hour. Mm -hmm. But on the edge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the moment you were skidding, you were... Just it's dangerous. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, like my head is going back to that uh, skidding topic so center of gravity moves forward or back from that could you almost just call it the sweet spot yeah yeah so would like I'm thinking right on a snow blade or very short ski wouldn't the room for error be smaller than a long ski or is it got to do with another factor that actually, oh, yeah. yeah, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Because, yeah. uh, you know, um, when you are uh, talking about rotation, 
you're talking about torque. Yeah. Torque is force multiplied by lever. Did I yep. put it right in English? Yeah. Yeah. So the longer the ski is, maybe the force on the tip of the tail uh, is lower, but because the lever is larger, yes. the torque is larger. Yes. Yeah. And that's the point of the long ski. Yeah. Okay. And when you measure back, if you go back to measurements, you measure pressure distribution under the ski. You can do that. And also many companies do that. Mm -hmm. And you calculate back torque from that. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a completely different um, graph. For example, pressure distribution or pressure under the tip and tail is very small, could, could be very small. Yeah. But the torque on the center of gravity is uh, the largest on the tip and the tail. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, in, in our messaging before uh, we kind of lined this chat up, like you were almost, you were saying there was a couple of myths you wanted to, to debunk. I mean, I think we've maybe started to get into that with how a ski turns, but did you want to talk on that topic, like the big toe? Yeah. And yeah, that would be, I think, a good good thing to maybe uh, bring up. I, I always had a problem with, with this. Uh, I know I have a feeling, mm, you know, this is my professional deformation. I don't have feelings. I have feelings for my wife and my kids and my <laughs> yeah. dogs and so on, but I... I really don't feel so. My problem in ski testing, I was testing quite a lot in my time, was that I didn't feel the difference. And then other testers said, okay, there is a difference, huge difference between that, that ski and that ski. I said, yeah, sure, it's some difference. I, I felt the same difference, but to me, it was not important. Uh huh. I could ski either way. So in my whole career, I had maybe two or three pairs of skis which were impossible, which I said, okay, that's bad. Yeah. Otherwise, I could ski with every ski. Mm -hmm. No problem. Enjoy it. Maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, but not a big deal. Mm -hmm. So that's why... This oversensitivity, or let's say making a big thing out of nothing, this is what it, let's say, uh, makes me nervous. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, uh, all the stories about this um, uh, tip of the ski is uh, too soft and the ski will not work. I cannot understand that. I cannot understand the relation between, because there is, when you calculate, no relation. Yes, you can make a soft, softer tip and softer tail and so on. But uh, what will be the result on the ski slope? There's no linear connection with that. Huh. Uh, you cannot prove it mathematically. If I make a softer tip, uh, what will happen? is if you make a softer tip, then the pressure on the tail will be reduced. 
because of it talk? Seems, because some of all torques on your body is on the ski is always zero. Yeah. So either um, the pressure on the tail is reduced or you will rotate. Okay. Because you don't rotate. <laughs> okay. So I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So, uh, that's why uh, in ski industry there's a lot of myths which don't have a logical connection then to basic physics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, for example, we have changed this core and added um, stripes of this and this wood yep. into the core. Oof. Definitely this will not have an effect on the ski. <laughs> Uh, the other big story is about vibration. Yeah. The tip is vibrating and that's why the ski is not good. Uh-huh. Okay. So, make a small experiment. S stand on skis and ask your friend to lift up and down your tip of the ski. Yeah. And then tell me if you are vibrating or not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see the point. Yeah. The vibration comes underfoot. Yeah. Not because yeah. of tip and tail. So, yeah. And so on. So there are, uh, it is not enough energy to make all the, the system to start vibrating just yeah. the tip or just the tail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The other one is, uh, let's say, the, the basic one, which still persist after so many years. I have loaded the ski and the ski bend it. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. Think of it again. When you stand on the skis with your weight only, mm -hmm. it's already bended. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then you ask your friends to piggyback on you, mm -hmm. on your back. Mm -hmm. Will the ski bend more? Uh, uh, flat on the snow? Or sideways, on when, sideways? You are on the, on the yes. when, when you are on the slope? Yes. When you are on the slope, hard surface, hard snow, yeah. you're standing, on the, and standing the, still. St oh, standing still on the ski is flat on the slope? No, it won't oh, bend more because the... On the edge, because you are on the on the slope. You are yeah. standing oh, on yeah. the edge. Ah, yeah. yes. Oh... If you're standing still, no. No. So, why should bend more if you are in the turn? You are at the same edging. Yeah. And uh, the same 2G load. Yeah, okay. So, if it doesn't bend when you are still, why should it bend when you are uh, skiing? Okay. This is obviously stupid. Yeah, okay. And think again. If it would bend, then the tip and the tail will stick into the air. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. So what is holding tip and tail in the air? Yeah. It, nothing. Well, so yeah, it can't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then, what is, so keep, sorry, keep going. So it's that kind of, let's say, myths that, that are still after many years uh, in ski 
in skiing and repeating itself, repeating itself. And internet is just helping that. Yes. So I guess it's 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 not that the ski is not bending. It's just you're pointing out the mechanism of the bending. Is that correct? Yes. 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 The, the pressure distribution under the ski goes very smoothly. So you put the ski on the edge, on the hard surface, without load. There's only two points that contact uh, contact points of the ski, tip and yeah, tail. Yeah, tip and tail, yeah. And pressure, you press it down and until you uh, touch uh, the snow surface with the center of the ski, the ski will bend. Yes. From there on, it will not bend anymore. Yes. Because the pressure will be transferred from the underfoot straight to the snow surface. Yes. That's about it. Yeah. So yep. If the, the pressure would be higher in tip and tail, then the ski would bend. But yeah. there's no reason that the pressure would. But yeah, increase that. Yeah, okay. Yep. So. So then um, the explanation for it then is like a, a ski that bends more through a turn uh, no. or the no? Bending of the ski is, is defined by side cut. Yep. Only by side cut, nothing uh, else. Nothing, okay. And uh, the load needed to touch surface with the center of the ski is relatively low. Yeah. So everybody can do it. Every, yeah, so true. He is not strong enough to bend the racing ski. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a wrong it's, stance. It's a, yeah, 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 it's true because, yeah, you don't need that much, yeah, yeah. Lo load weight to put the center of the ski touching the snow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's good. That's and that's the basic one, and then you go on and on and on. Uh, I cannot even uh, number all the myths that the, the, goes I, on, but this is the so, one. So, so then I guess because, uh, like, did, are you aware? Like, sort of, my thing is I'm very interested in, I guess, the body and um, biomechanics and what how much someone can i guess use their body to affect what is happening with the ski so then if we talk about lining up with this sweet spot along the length of the ski and not kind of you know making the tail break away or i guess having the ability because not all the time do we want the ski to be cutting in because we want to be able to slow down at points off piste or avoiding people or make a, a, a sharper turn than the radius of the ski. So then, like, how much do you believe in, you know, talking about technique or movements made with the skier um, having an effect? Yeah, okay. So different techniques, that means that, uh, okay, let's... Put it again in the car situation. So, uh, when you're sitting in the car, you can turn the wheel left or right. Mm -hmm. But you can change your position in the seat 
and your ability to turn um, uh, the steering uh, wheel. Wi the steering wheel will be changed. Yes. So it's the same with ski technique. Yes. In some body positions, you have more influence of how you will adopt your center of gravity position than in others. Yes. So that's why we are, let's say, not standing completely upright, but our knees are bended during skiing, because then we can change with, without changing lean angle. That's uh, we can change angulation of the ski. Mm -hmm. So the ski turn goes like this: you go, you start by leaning inwards. I'm talking about carving or skidding. Skidding mm -hmm. doesn't the skidding turning doesn't make a uh, big difference. Yes, you tip inwards, so down slope, and you hope that the ski will follow and start to turn so that it will catch you up on the on the other side of the turn yeah it's like uh, riding a bicycle it's yes. the same physics yes now uh, if you ride a bicycle uh, straight and you want to make a left turn the question is uh, uh, how you turn your steering um, Wheel. Wheel. Yes. Left or right? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> off balance to, to fall turn. inside. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. It's the same with skiing. So, yeah. And then you coordinate how fast, uh, how tight your turn is to avoid falling. Yes. Inside or outside, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And you coordinate that by angle. Uh, angulation of the ski. Yeah. Sometimes uh, your speed is high enough, so it uh, adds up everything. If you are too slow <coughs> and you lean too much in, then you have to shorten your turn. You have to increase angulation, and in that case, you push your knees inside. You increase angulation that way and shorten the turn. Yes. And so on. It's a lot of combinations of movements in skiing involved uh, to perform a perfect turn. Yes. Uh, that's why robots don't ski. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. When you look at the videos on YouTube of robots trying to just do a simple race, they can't even make it really past the first gate. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, they, they do ski, but they don't. So. If they use algorithms like, uh, let's say, mathematical algorithms to predict what will happen, yes, then they don't ski. Mm -hmm. But uh, I have a friend of mine who is uh, in this kind of experiments. Uh, he made a different kind of program, so holistic way, so with neuron network and that kind of stuff. I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> but. but uh, uh, that uh, robot taught himself to ski. Wow. It started with falling all the time and then slowly improved a little bit. Hmm. Have you so, have you seen, has he got video footage of this anywhere? Uh, I think I can find it. I, I have a book. He, he made a book uh, on this, on robotics. 
uh, I'm not sure if I can uh, find it in short term. But if, uh, if any, if you do one day, I'd love to see that. Yeah, I will, yeah. I will ask him to to give me this because this is the only way. Let's say uh, complex uh, movements like skiing can be learned. Yeah. So just by trying falling. And yes. That's it. Yeah, just like how we learn. Yes. Yes. And yeah. On the other hand, it is very interesting to see kids how they ski. I have three kids. Now I have granddaughters. Three of them. <laughs> they all ski. Mm-hmm. You give them skis and let them enjoy, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And they will learn how to ski without interfering from. Mm, uh, ski teachers or whatever. Yeah. They yeah. will do it their own way. Yes. But they have all in common. Yeah. Kids will always ski with their center of gravity backwards. <laughs> but they, not because they are afraid. Yeah. But because this is the position that uh, releases, so it makes the ski unstable. Uh-huh. So he can make a turn whatever he wa- whenever he wants. Yeah, okay. So center of gravity behind that sweet spot makes the ski unstable. Yeah. So that's the easiest point to to manipulate the ski from. Is that would that be correct? Uh, the ski will turn the fastest for every so First of all, they are not using parallel technique, but a little bit wedged. Which, so. Yes, yeah. Pizza. Yes. <laughs> they, they call it in America. Yes. Uh, okay, and by balancing uh, center of gravity between two skis, you get, um, let's say, uh, possibility of steering. But you are always backwards. You just move the center of gravity left or, or right, and that's it, and it will work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, yep. Uh, so it's uh, when you see all types of skiers, all types of ski techniques. It's very hard to discover uh, what is the common point of everything. So it, that's why it took me uh, snowboarding to discover the basic idea what is going on. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. in skis, on skis, on two legs, it's just too complicated to observe. Yeah, 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 definitely. I can understand that. So now, so back to this, I guess, talking about human movement on skis again, because something I guess I've found is stepping off skis people that end up coming to see me because they're in pain, so physical pain, their knee or whatever, often the the variability and uh, options that their body has to move has kind of been reduced down from what it used to be before they were injured. And so they're kind of stuck in not having as many options to move and then that has resulted in the body giving them pain signals because perhaps it's it's wearing out a particular movement pattern 
or it's the body's worried that it's going to wear it out or something and so damage is occurring so back on snow my uh, something I guess I like to think about or perhaps maybe theorize is that really good skiers have every single joint and option movement available in 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 all dimensions of movement to their disposal disposal so then whatever situation comes up whether it's a bump in the snow or change in snow texture and surface so that so that maybe the ski starts skidding or accelerating in front of them or whatever it is they have all the options which will then they will learn the most efficient one to rebalance or re-center, re-kind of line, align themselves to get the ski working again. Would you agree with that statement or? Uh, yeah, so as I said, 10,000 repetitions to learn something. Uh, I can say from my own experience, I didn't study uh, from the binding off. So, uh, Hard yes. and binding level. I didn't study everything. I have just some ideas, but I can say from uh, say it from my personal experience. Uh, comparing to my wife, we are skiing together, but uh, she depends on me when we go off piste uh, that I can read a snow, hmm. a snow type. Uh, sometimes it's just mm, I don't. In, change in inclination for five degrees towards or in the other way of the sun and it will change the snow completely. Mm-hmm. So after all those years, I can read it. Yes. So I can ski like, let's say, quite good. She's uh, uh, every skier, but she cannot read the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's a very interesting part of ex- part of experience. So yeah. when you are skiing on the ski slope, uh, you see the, what kind of snow is coming, what is going on, and you are prepared because mm-hmm. you have made your share of repetitions. Mm-hmm. And uh, good skiers, they see, they know, they are prepared in advance what will happen. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the reaction time of human body is, let's say, 0.1 second, so from input to output. Yeah. If you are, let's say, an avid athlete, but if you are a normal person, it's 0.3, 0.4 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And if you can read in advance what will happen, so you, you are in advantage. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, was, uh, I think I've said this to one person before on the podcast, but there is a physiotherapist out there uh, and a neuroscientist who talks about one of the main functions of, um, of our brain is prediction. So like what you're talking there, it's learning to predict outcomes well before they happen because that makes you feel some level of, I guess, certainty and confidence to do or face whatever is coming towards you. So that, that, that story you just said, I guess, illustrates that point. Um, uh, like she's not confident in predicting almost or she can't predict very well these changes and what will happen. Uh, I have an interesting, very interesting story on, on this prediction stuff. Yeah? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we have a young dog now in our house. 
and in winter time uh, he was going out uh, to pee. Yes, more or less. And it was wet. And uh, when he was going back upstairs, uh, it was slippery, and uh, he fell, hurt himself badly between legs. You know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and next time he went out to pee. It was wet. On the uh, bottom of stairs, he stopped, thinked a little bit, and then he went up backwards. <laughs> he predicted. Yeah, yeah. And he logically concluded that if he's turned downstairs, then it will not be slippery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, it took it took him one week of going backwards uh, to turn again. To yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are all predicting what yeah, will happen. That's so right. Making conclusions and uh, logical, more or less logical conclusions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, based on that experience. Uh, on experience. Yeah. And um, one of the things about experience, uh, uh, in when I was working in Elan the second time, it was in late 90s, uh, we were working with uh, Nordica company, which was uh, at that time owned by Benetton. And they hired a guy who was working for Piaggio before. Mm -hmm. And once I mentioned this is because of our experience, and he had a perfect answer to that. Hmm. He said, if you are claiming experience, then you are proving you don't have a clue. <laughs> and when you think about it, that's very true. Yeah. So if experience shows this and this and this, you don't have a clue what is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess it is this. Go ahead, ski sorry. Business, ski business is close to that. Also. Yes, yeah. It's based on experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, so, Yuri, I was just thinking, are there any more topics? There's a couple of more questions I was thinking of perhaps asking you, but I don't know if there's anything you thought um, would be interesting to bring up perhaps from... Uh, I don't know, from working in the factory, from the, the developing prototypes, any kind of any funny stories or any uh, really bad uh, accidents that, you know, through trialing something or, or whatever? Is there anything you thought would be worth bringing up? So, for example, when I lost, uh, let's say, uh, confidence in or let's say, Confidence in the ability of ski racers uh, to test skis. Oh, really? This is an, an anecdote. Yes. So we had in Elan in uh, late uh, 80s, we had a racer, a uh, girl. She was a world champion in slalom uh, in Vail. She won Matea Svet. She was top skier. You don't get much better than that. Yeah. And she complained about skis. They are not good. They are not good, not good, not good, not good, not good, and so on. And we made prototypes, uh, six, seven pairs of prototypes, and she went testing. 
and a serviceman who was say, experienced and he uh, he knew about those problems. <laughs> he gave her one pair of ski and second pair and third pair and she returned, not good, not good, not good. And then he took the old pair, which was not good at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and said, this is something else. This is a very new pair. We tried something special on this. <laughs> and then she tested, returned, and that's it. That's what I want. <laughs> so it had to be, to her, it almost had to be someone put all this effort in and it was special and, and they were really making yeah. an effort. Until they made enough effort for her, she wasn't going to say any ski was good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we are not measuring, we are feeling. Yeah. And yeah. Feelings are, uh, let's say, tricky Deceiving. business. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Yuri, one thing I was going to ask: Did you delve into ski boot um, theory or um, production development research? Like, did you have much to do with that at all, or have you taken any interest in that? Uh, actually, no. Uh, I was in, uh, let's say, working with um, a company which produces ski boots, but I was not involved in ski boot development uh, at that time. I was in completely different parts of uh, making foot scanner, mm-hmm. uh, 3D foot scanner and software for uh, matching shoes to feet and feet, so on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was an uh, interesting project, but nothing to do with ski boots because you cannot change ski boots. You know, uh, whatever it comes out of the mold, that's about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there I learned something, uh, let's say, uh, also about feelings. Uh, that you cannot fit, uh, fit a proper size of the footwear to women hmm. uh, look will always prevail <laughs> however un- uncomfortable the, the shoe might be <laughs> look will look, prevail look will prevail <laughs> so I mean because have you heard of David McPhail or, or the, the guy from Whistler who has a blog about uh, he talks a lot about ski boot setup, and have you heard of him? Uh, no, uh, I never followed ski boots a lot. Uh, one of the reasons is uh, when I was testing professionally, I learned that if I want to feel the difference between skis, I have to unbuckle. Mm. Interesting. That, yeah, you got a lot more feeling or lot, sensory yeah. feedback with boots undone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm doing a lot of tour skiing, and uh, tour ski boots are not as rigid as uh, alpine ski yeah. boots. So I learned from tour skiing that I have to unbuckle my racing boots 
um, to really feel. Otherwise, you have, a, let's say, uh, the connection between your uh, leg and the ski is too stiff mm -hmm. to feel the minor differences in yeah. the ski's yeah. properties. So that's what this guy, I guess, uh, in his blog, he he's trying to get across to people is that most ski boots dull this, um, or maybe not necessarily ski boots, ski boot fit, uh, custom orthotics sometimes, certain liners, just that the interface is disrupted and altered and sort of deadened through that through a ski boot and he's sort of has developed he went he did some prototype work to develop a new type of ski boot that interfered less and allowed the human um, nervous system to sense more what's going on between the snow the ski and the skier and it showed he in his work it showed up that there was a, a really quite a measurable difference and muscle activity was heightened in, in sort of postural muscles that adjusted that fore and aft balance. Um, and I guess to me, coming back to your point of that to make a ski work and to carve is the ability to kind of keep finding that sweet spot and know how to move kind of maybe either side of it to adjust or, or break it away when needed and lock it back on when needed. So then your ski boot ideally would not interfere with how you sense that. Uh, yeah, I didn't think a lot of, about that, uh, but uh, uh, I see a problem with, let's say, too weak connection. Um, so you have different snow types, you have different snow conditions, and uh, this also influences how uh, this interface or uh, connection of your body to your equipment works. Um, the problem is only in very hard icy surface. Mm -hmm. uh, then uh, so racers, they have two ways of um, dealing with this situation of uh, when you get this uh, skid slip uh, vibration. Mm -hmm. uh, one is uh, let's say to make the ski very stiff, and the second one is uh, to buckle all the way. Uh, to squeeze your feet inside uh, as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And then, as a result, with your muscles, they have a lot of muscles, believe me, mm -hmm. uh, make your body from, the, from your foot to your hip rigid mm -hmm. system. And this will add mass to the system and this will change the frequency of vibration mm. and that's how they deal the system so yes you add mass to the system so if you unbuckle then there's just a mass of ski and binding vibrating and ski boot yes and your leg uh, your foot inside is uh, loose so it will go off 
their own way. But racers, they do add mass by adding uh, this stiff connection. Yes. Uh, buckling up and uh, um, locking muscles of their legs. Now, so would you say that almost comes under then the uh, like impulse and impulse or you know force of one object into another can be changed through the stiffness of the material so as in if you hit like for instance as an analogy if you try and hit a nail a metal nail with a rubber mallet so the material being rubber as you hit it some of the energy goes into the rubber because that material is not stiff and so the nail won't be pushed into the wood as hard whereas if you put the same force with a metal hammer against a metal nail the connection will go through and it will make the nail penetrate through the softer wood so is it almost like saying the same thing with a ski racer they stiffening the connection with the equipment to make it penetrate yeah but i would i would make a little bit different an analogy mm -hmm. uh, 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 use a metal ha hammer in both uh, cases yes one uh, once with a rubber uh, handle Okay. Yeah. So because it transfers, so the interface between outside world and uh, your system is the same. So it's uh, still edge. Yes. Uh, icy surface, but in one case, the forces from the interaction go through the system a different way than in another case. Yeah. Okay. And so the the. So you have to be, if you hit with the full metal hammer, no rubber handle, the person just needs to be stronger to be able to deal with that? Yep. Yes. So it's larger mass involved. Uh, otherwise, you, you must separate masses of your uh, head, of your mallet, and... Uh, uh, from the uh, mass of your uh, hand, hand and your yeah. uh, handle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. From because of the vibration. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Vibrations are very complicated. So I don't think that I understand uh, vibration. Maybe I'm I'm scratching the surface a little bit. <laughs> vibration, but uh, otherwise, yeah. no way. Guys in the aerospace industry, they understand uh, this uh, uh, so-called model analysis. It's very complicated. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and they have, um, let's say, media, which is air. It's a little bit simpler than uh, snow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Totally. Um, okay. Well, I... <laughs> I've really enjoyed chatting with you, Yuri. It's been uh, quite fascinating, helped to sort of clarify some things and and simplify some things and then also confuse some things for me too, which has been good. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's just made me think and uh, yeah, I really appreciate your expertise and knowledge on the subject. So uh, yeah, thanks, thanks very much for your time. I don't know if there's any other parting oh that would be my last part parting thing because a lot of ski instructors 
listen to this. Do you think as a final kind of takeaway note, what would it be you'd say they should understand? Because I think a lot of the time, ski instructors perhaps confuse students through just talking about technique without letting the student understand that really skiing is more about how the, the ski, I mean, the ski turns through its interaction with the snow like we talked about in the beginning. So would it be getting them to understand that as opposed to getting always bogged down in technique? Yeah, but I understand uh, ski teachers, uh, that's their business. Mm -hmm. So they they have to be more clever than their, their pupils. Yeah. <laughs> their students because... Uh, and uh, let's say making a thing more complicated uh, will add to their business. <laughs> well, frankly speaking, you don't need a ski instructor. If you are young enough, athletic enough, you can go out and start skiing on the beginner ski slope, learn by yourself. And any skier or every skier type of skiing uh, is good type of skiing as long as you don't hurt yourself yeah it's about enjoyment outside on the snow in the fresh air uh, in nature learning new things by yourself or by help by others but don't overcomplicate. Mm -hmm. uh, this is uh, I believe Ski instructions uh, are too complicated, They're, but I understand them because mm -hmm. they must make money. They must make living out of it. Mm -hmm. So they learn this and this and this and this and this and this, a lot of stuff which is not necessary. Mm -hmm. So uh, mainly I would suggest uh, that ski uh, instructions should be as simple as possible. Yeah, would definitely uh, agree with that. And because formally I don't have any uh, education in skiing. You know, I don't have uh, any license of ski instructor, any certificate that I know how to ski. <laughs> yeah. And I can ski. Okay. Uh, and at the end point, I have changed the way of skiing in his. In, uh, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Without understanding ski instructions. Yes, yep. Yeah, so that's uh, my point. Like, because I've definitely found it just a very valuable thing to just always put, you know, the fact that it's, you know, how, how this ski interacts with the snow. Is just the, is a, is a, is probably the most important thing to understand and keep in the back of your mind at all times. And, and sort of, yeah. Referring, it, referring back, back to robots, uh, which learned how to ski, you learn by experience. Yeah. So you cannot learn by theory. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, I will let you. Get on with your day, but thanks again, Yuri. If you just hang on the line, I'll just finish the recording now. But um, 
yeah, I'm sure the listeners will have really enjoyed that. So, yeah, thanks very much. Thank you. Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer, and one that measures the G-force in a turn. And that one, I have to say, I got to try it out this winter in Australia, and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now, what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your Ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLY15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks.